Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, do thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word, and then pouring out your spirit to us to make known your words to us, which we do pray for in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 50, beginning at verse 14. Here we get more background. Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren and all that went up with him, to bury his father after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and will fully requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a message unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, say, sh- So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the transgression of thy brethren and their sin, for that they did it did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the transgression of the servants of thy God, uh, I mean of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we are thy servants." And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it up for good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear you not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived a 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation, the children also of Mahir, the son of Manasseh, were born upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, but God will surely visit you and bring you up out of the land into, out of this land, unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. You should carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Okay, now, in our last study, you remember how we finished up by seeing Joseph's wonderful promise that he made to his brothers. His brothers are really trembling at this part, at this point in verse 21, when he said to them, now therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones, and he comforted them, or as it is in the, as it says, he spoke to their heart and spake kindly unto them. So when you look at this verse here in verse in verse 21 here this verse really sums up what Joseph's life was all about because when he says to his brothers don't be afraid and he promises to care for them and for their children this is really what forgiveness looks like I mean some people think that well you know forgiveness is it just means that I won't hold against uh, uh, hold a, a, a grudge against them anymore or it, 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 or forgiveness means well, I'll just walk away and I won't take revenge. Or uh, you know, forgiveness means okay, well I'll forgive, but I'm not going to forget. 
And, and I'm certainly not going to turn my back on that person again uh, to give him another opportunity for him to stab me in the back. Or some people think, well, you know, forgiveness is just like life's too short. Just go on with life. Forget about it. Now, y- you think about those different aspects of how people look at forgiveness or how forgiveness can be looked at, and then you can apply it to Joseph, and you realize that Joseph could have thought this or in, in, to his brothers or 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 uh, he, he could have said, okay, look, I'm not going to hold a grudge against my brothers. I mean, I really, I really haven't seen them repent and have a complete change of heart. And, and but so I'm not going to be so foolish though because of that to, to let that happen, to let something like that happen again. So I'm just not going to allow myself to be vulnerable toward my brothers, but I'm not going to let bitterness eat me up. After all, if I, if I do that, then, then I'll destroy my own life. Or he could have thought to himself, Joseph could have thought to himself, look, I'm not going to take revenge on them. I mean, even though I want to take revenge on them, I'm not going to do it because I know that, that taking revenge is God's place and I'm not in the place of God, which is what he said. And, and, or he could have said to himself, or, you know, I do wholeheartedly forgive my brothers, but I can't forget what they did to me. And I understand their weaknesses, I still love them, but I'm just going to have to to give my brothers just a wide berth in life. So I'll stay in the palace, and they can stay in Goshen, and we'll have a great great relationship because it's impossible for them to change. And and, and so rather than frustrating everyone, especially myself and them, I'm just going to leave them alone. And or or he could have said, "Life is too short, and I can't be consumed with this anger. So I'm just going to move on in life and 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 get out of this pit." of self-pity and, and just move on. Now, he, he could have taken any one of those positions and it would have been honorable because he didn't take revenge. But what was amazing about Joseph was that Joseph went way beyond those positions over the top when he said in verse 21, when he says, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones, he speaks to their hearts. And, and he, I mean, after all, these were the same people who hated him and planned to cruelly torture him to death by leaving him in a pit without a waterless pit in the desert. So when Joseph looks at his brothers objectively, and and, he, and in this passage we just read, he sees his brothers lying to him about what their father said before he died. I mean, really, Joseph could not say that his brothers have turned into Sunday school teachers. I'm a Sunday school teacher. That doesn't matter. <laughs> because Joseph had to admit at this point that the brothers he was looking at it right now, they were the same brothers that lied to their father about what really happened to Joseph when they were out in the desert and when they presented that bloody coat of Joseph's to their father and said that, you know, the big story about the wild beast that, that had devoured him. And, and, and now they're lying to him. So the core sin that Joseph saw in his brothers was lying and nothing changed. I mean, it didn't change at all. So if Joseph had taken this position of saying, well, uh, I'll forgive them when I see they repent, then he would say, well, I can see my brothers have not really repented, so I'm not going to forgive them. And, and that's the question. Should a person forgive another person only when they repent? Or, or should he forgive them even when they haven't re- repented? And this is the point that the Lord Jesus was addressing in, in Matthew 5.39. Matthew 5.39. When he said, 5.39, Matthew. When he said, I, but I say unto you, 
that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, then, then turn to him the other also. So in other words, the left cheek. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him, let him, let him have thy cloak also. And whoever will compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Go too. And, and give to him that asks thee, and, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. So what's the issue here? The issue here that the Lord is speaking about is this phrase, resist not evil. What's that mean? Re, you, you resist not evil. I mean, what does it mean? Well, to resist not evil means that, that there's evil that's threatening you. It's just threatening me. It's threatening us. And, and there's a choice that we all face. We're either going to resist the evil or not resist the evil. So the resist the evil here, and he says don't resist the evil. It, resist the evil here, here is the evil of being taken advantage of, of being abused, of being hurt, of being wronged. And, and what the Lord is saying here is don't resist that. Don't, don't defend. In other words, the, the, now those are some pretty hard words to hear. And, and when the Lord says that, that when you're slapped on the cheek, well, when you are slapped on the cheek, I mean, you know, what are the three possibilities that you can do when, when you're slapped across the face? What's option one? Slap back. <laughs> That's the option of retaliation. I said there's three options. Actually, there's four. You know what the fourth one is? Double retaliation. <laughs> Slap both cheeks. <laughs> Okay, so that's option one. Now, now, if the Lord had 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 meant to take option one, then then it would have been like the father taking the son out to the backyard and say, "Son, I'm going to take you out to the backyard. I'm going to teach you how to fight." You know. So if anyone hurts you at school, you're going to knock their block off because I'm going to show you how to do this. See. So now, now if the Lord, now that's what he would have said, something along those lines, when you're attacked. And, and likewise, if, if, if he meant double retaliation, he, he would say, I'm going to teach you not only, I'm going to teach you how to teach those bullies a lesson. So, so they'll never think about picking on you, you know, uh, because you're going to cause them double pain. Now, the Lord didn't have that kind of instruction in mind. And, and what's the option? What's the, what's the next option? Option three or option two, whatever. What's the next option? Retaliation's one. I was thinking more protection. Just protect yourself. I mean, if the Lord had made you protection, what would the Lord have said? You know, when when you when you get when you see He's going to slap you across the face, what are you going to do? Put your duck, yeah, <laughs> yeah, duck, or put your hand up, or do something to protect yourself. Just don't get hurt. That's option. Another option. Now, and and, and so the last option which the Lord had is, is meaning here, is he's saying, allow yourself to get hurt. Whoa, that's a little difficult. And, and, and this is what he's saying by, you, you slap the right cheek? Okay, well, here's the left one. Would you like to have a go with that? So it's very hard for us to accept this, but, but that we should not fight back, that we shouldn't fight back twice as hard, that we should, uh, that we should you know, to keep the person from doing it again. That, that we should not even protect ourselves from being hurt the second time. We should allow the offender to hurt us. Very hard advice. But the Lord is not asking us to do something that he hasn't himself done. I mean, the Lord has experienced much more than we'll ever experienced, and he's asking us to do what he did when he was attacked, and he describes 
what he did in the first-person terms. In Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, Isaiah 50, verse 6, kind of reading through Isaiah, and you get into chapter 50, you're going to hit the pinnacle in chapter 53, but it's sort of moving up to that. In chapter 50, verse 6, he says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from from shame and spitting. So that means that when the Romans came to tear the flesh off of his back with their whips of bones and charge and metal and so forth, that he knew what they were going to do to him. And, and that and what is what he's saying here is that I didn't shield my back and protect it from the from the torturers. I gave it to them. Here's my back to, for you to tear the flesh off of. And that means when his enemies came also to pull the hairs of his beard right out of the follicles of his face, that he didn't try to stop them. And that means when his enemies came to spit in his face, which they did, he didn't turn his face away. He just looked full face at them as they were spitting in his face. And that's what the Lord is asking us to do when he says in verse in Matthew 5.39, in Matthew 5.39, but I say unto you that you resist not evil, and whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, that advice there, the Lord command direction that the Lord was giving us there, was for personal violence, violence against our, our physical violence, violence physical violence. But there's another evil that the Lord said don't resist in the next verse, which is, which is Matthew 5.40, Matthew 5.40, when he said, and if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Now, this is the evil that he called being sued at the law. And this evil, in other words, is to be wrongfully sued in court. And so, so the Lord is saying, look, here's a situation. Here's a situation where, where, where someone comes to court and, and, and says, that's my coat that you have there. And using the law, you can imagine how infuriating that would be to get this notice of a lawsuit that you're, 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 that, that this person is claiming that that's not your coat, you shouldn't have that coat, it's my coat, I should have that coat. And so he's stealing it through legal means and has made up some story and, and is going to court to get the court and the judge to force you to surrender your coat. Now, when this situation happens, again, three possibilities for you to do, you know, and what are they? Okay, there, first of all, does something like this. First option is you file a countersuit. As a matter of fact, this is so common in court that the judges, there's actually a section for this in law where the, the judge is saying, all right, I don't want to get, when you get angry, all these other lawsuits. So now's your time right now to file your countersuit. And you file a countersuit. That's like retaliation. And then the second option, you protect yourself by mounting the strong legal defense for why the person should not be allowed to take your coat. And, and then the third option, which is the one he said to do, is just give him your coat. And, 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 and not, don't, don't stop at the coat. Say, well, here, here's the coat. I want you to have it. Well, as a matter of fact, you know, the coat will get ruined if it gets rained on. So here's the cloak also to keep the coat from getting messed up. So you, you need that. Now, now, this is very hard instruction by, by letting the person have not only a coat but the cloak. 
I mean, it reminds me of the time when, when, when I went to uh, the bull, uh, bullfight in, in Tijuana with, with Diana and her husband, Ruben. I mean, that was my first and last time to go to a bullfight. But anyway, we went to the bullfight. But, but anyway, down there at the, the playas, the beach area there, Tijuana, where they have the bull arena, there's kind of a problem in that there, there's not enough parking down there. So, so, so what people do is that, you know, they have their apartments that, that are near the arena there, is that they sell their parking space. So you're driving by there and they say, oh, I park in my space here, you know, for this, uh, people going to the bullfight. So, you know, we, we, we came up to this one apartment and, and there was this guy and, and he was selling his parking place, you know, so, so, so we asked how much, you know, and, you know, he says a hundred pesos, which is about five dollars. So we agreed and, and we parked the car there in his parking spot. And, and then after the bullfight, we, we returned to the car, you know, and, and there was the guy and, and, and he was there to collect the money. So instead of giving him a hundred peso bill, Ruben, by mistake, gave him a thousand peso bill, which was $50. And, and, and then after Ruben realized what he did, and, and, and that he'd given the guy 10 times more than he should have, Ruben, you know, we said, go back, go back, you know. Well, of course, the guy has run away. You know, he's got a, he's got a thousand pesos, you know. Well, he's not going to hang around. And so all of us in the car, we were pretty angry. You know, we're, we're pretty angry with Ruben. We're pretty angry with the guy. And instead, Ruben says this. He said, oh, well, I guess he needed the money. <laughs> That's what Ruben said. And the way he said it, you, you, you know, the way he said it, it was like, it is like Ruben said it in such a way like, if I could find the guy, I'd give him another thousand pesos, you know? <laughs> and, and Deanna's wife, Deanna, Ruben's wife, you know, she just looked frustrated. And she said, that's Ruben, you know? <laughs> but Ruben had a really great spirit because it was a spirit of, of really this, this uh, Matthew 540. You know, if any man will sue thee at the law and take away that coat, let him have that cloak also. Now, we're, we're, we're talking about allowing yourself to be wronged in court. So this is an insult, and really the Lord is covering here insults in Matthew 5, 38-42. So the Lord has covered here this insult in these three areas. The first area is an insult to the person when a person slaps you across the face. It's an insult to the person. And really, that's the hardest to resist resist it to not resist the evil because you, there's the flash of anger and there's the urge to return with another slap or two. And, and then the second, second area the Lord is referring to is an insult, an assault on property. You know, the coat didn't belong to that person, but he's insulting by saying that he's the person who should have the coat. You know, this thing about the coat reminds me of another coat, you know, I have, all these stories. Anyway, but, but, but it reminds me of code. I, I was in London. You know, I don't know if you've ever been to London before, you know, but this is, London has the coldest wind in the world. And there's something about the wind in London. It's just, it's wet. It's moist. It's cloudy all the time. Anyway, so, so I, I was in London one day and I was walking around and I, and I looked in this, this window and I thought, Oh, that's a nice coat. You know, it was really a nice coat. So I went in and bought this coat. You know, I thought, oh, it's nice. It's a windbreaker. It's not too heavy, kind of silky type thing. It was just perfect for London in those cold, cold winds. So I want to bring the coat back, and it's not really neat. Anyway. 
So, so I kept the coat in a locked up duffel bag that, that I asked the hotel to keep for me. Like the hotel always kept this duffel bag. Whenever I go to London, they bring out the duffel bag. And, you know, I'd had other, I'd had other things in the duffel bag too, you know, in the hotel in London. I had tennis shoes for taking a walk, you know, and, and, and I, and I had actually had a plate and some silverware, you know, for eating takeout food that, that, that I would get from the Lebanese restaurants in the Arab areas of London. So I had a lot of things in this locked up duffel bag. And every time, you know, the plane, I don't remember, would arrive at 8 or 8.30 at night you know, from the States. And, 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 and I, would, I would get to the hotel and I kind of looked forward to that duffel bag, you know, familiarity, everything there. And the coat was right on top, the top there. Well, one night I arrived at the hotel and I, and I got my duffel bag to the room and I noticed the, ro- the lock had been broken and everything was there except for the coat. <laughs> and I was really upset. I mean, I was. And, and I thought, how could someone steal my coat, my nice coat? And I just couldn't get over it. I mean, I felt so violated and wronged and, and, and couldn't even sleep that night. You know, it was really bothered me. Anyway, so then what brought me relief is when I opened my Bible and I read, in John 19, these words. John 19, 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture, my coat, they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. So just like I realized as I was reading that, I thought, wow, just like I had a favorite coat, the Lord had a favorite coat. And, and, and just how I had my coat stolen from me, the Lord had his coat stolen from him. Only in the Lord's case, it was much, much worse because the Lord watched them, the thieves, steal his favorite coat, gamble for it, as to which thief was going to take his coat. And I can imagine how the soldiers may have looked up to the Lord on the cross and mockingly said to him, you want your coat? You don't need your coat. You're going to be dead soon. And, and, and that knowledge of what the Lord experienced when he saw his favorite coat be stolen, it was a comfort to me. It allowed me to, to accept my coat having been stolen. Anyway, so the same is true for this passage here in, in, in Matthew 5, 39 through 42. It's just not easy for us to turn the other cheek, to allow ourselves to be cheated in court, to, to, to know, but, but, it, but what makes it easy is to know how the Lord endured the same things. It gives us the courage to accept this, the, these things happening to us. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. 
You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 